sometimes I just have to start the show on a positive note, no matter what's going on. So, you know, there's a lot of negative at times in sports, but sometimes you just have to start on a positive. 34 points, 10 wins, 1 loss, and 4 draws after 15 matches. The best team in MLS and one of the best teams in all of the Americas, frankly, Los Angeles Football Club still getting it done after another impressive win. You heard it here on ESPN LA, beating up Montreal at the bank. Another big win at home, 4-2 last weekend. It was 4-0 before Montreal woke up and even knew what hit him. And what hit him is the usual suspect, right? Carlos Vela, a goal and an assist again on just one shot this game. Ironically, Montreal did not do a bad job on Vela at times. It's just he's too good. And the pass from Eduardo Tuesta to set up that goal in the 28th minute. Yikes. And then Vela with a couple of assists, technically. Actually had a two with the assist of Blackman, and then a secondary assist to Latif Blessing. He's just, I mean, it's ridiculous what's going on, how good he is. And, of course, LAFC dominated to get the victory. As I mentioned, they're 10th of the season. Nobody else in the league has more than eight, and that's the LA Galaxy coming into play on this day. So as you look at the standings, with LAFC at 34 points, 36 goals for, 11 goals against. I mean, it just, the song is a familiar refrain. Unbeaten at home with just the one draw to the stubborn Chicago Fire in that game. Otherwise, they're perfect at home and pretty darn good on the road. Now, this is going to be an interesting month, and that's what I want to start with. We'll talk a little bit more, but there is something I have to bring up. I wanted to start with that positive so we could balance it with this. And finally, they've pulled the trigger on this mess that is another version of what was the, what was that called back in the day? Superliga or something like that? Remember that? Does anybody else remember that? I think that's what I, I remember. I tried to, look, they weren't bad games, but I try to get that out of my memory. We don't need what MLS has just come up with. It's another annual, it's a league's cup with MLS and Liga MX. Even Our friend Tom Marshall wrote about it on ESPN FC, if you want to go check it out. And uh, he has a big uh, column there. What are we doing here? It's going to be through July 23rd and July 24th. That's when it starts. It goes all the way through, I think, the finals. Yeah, according to this article from Tom, is September 18th. There's some talk of where that might be. They don't know exactly where yet. But it's what are we doing? We know the matchups. Let me just give them to you. Houston Dynamo is going to take on Club America. Real Salt Lake hosts Tigres. Chicago Fire takes on Cruz Azul. And LA Galaxy against Tijuana. Now, what I see out of that, and I'm not saying these are the four best Mexican teams necessarily. Those are four pretty darn good clubs against, you know, pretty decent MLS teams. But, I mean, what is the point of this? I just, I don't understand. Look, and, you know, here's a quote from Commissioner Don Garber. I understand why they're doing it, money. But here's one of the quotes. We have an intense rivalry between our national national teams. And League's Cup provides a terrific opportunity to increase the growing rivalry rivalry between MLS and Liga MX East clubs. We have that already. It's called the CONCACAF Champions League. How many times do I have to say this? I love the Champions League. Why are we down on the Champions League? What, because MLS doesn't win it? So what? Get better. Guess what? Liga MX East teams are better in the CONCACAF Champions League. So get better. What, do we, what does this prove, this League's Cup? What is this going to do? It, it, it's really a, win, a no-win situation. Yeah, people will come out to watch it. But if MLS teams win, then people will say, well, 
the league at Mackey's teams really don't care. They only care about Champions League. And if MLS teams lose, then it's like, well, of course, they suck. I mean, there's no, there's no upside to this other than maybe they'll make money. And that's no guarantee. I just don't get it. I, I really don't. I understand that it'll fit in the schedule okay. I mean, you know, it's going to clog up a little bit of the scheduling, I mean, admittedly, but it's it, it fits in the windows and all that. It doesn't bump in with Champions League or anything with these two te- or these two nations, but I don't know. Just win in the Champions League. How about we do that? How about we worry about that? Because what does this prove? What does it mean? I understand. Now, maybe I'll be wrong. On a rare, maybe the rarest of occasions, I've been wrong before. Rarely, but... So maybe this will turn out to be the greatest competition in all of soccer, right? I mean, okay, it's possible it'll work. But I'm not jazzed about this. I want us to just improve in the Champions League. I know there's frustration there. I get it. MLS sides keep getting beat in the final. But they're getting better. And the competition between MLS and League MX is a lot closer than people want to admit on both sides. There's not much difference between the two, the, the two leagues anymore. Yes, at the top, Monterey is better than anybody in MLS right now. Maybe not LAFC, but you get the point. They deserve it. They're, they were the best team. So what? Toronto FC was the best team in CONCACAF Champions League last year. They lost in a final to Chivas, and Chivas, oh, they played their guts out. They weren't the best team in the competition, but they deserved to win because they played better on that given day. But Toronto was clearly the best team in CONCACAF last year. So what? So it's back and forth now. Just play it out in the Champions League. What do we need this for? And not only that, these aren't the best teams. It's not like you're taking the top four from both leagues and you earn this. They're just picking. They pick these teams. So what does that mean? It doesn't... It's just much ado about nothing. What do we need this for, is my point. It's not bad. It's more soccer. Will I watch? You know me. I'm sick. I probably will. So, yeah, they got me. But I might watch with one eye because I don't really care. It doesn't mean anything. Hey, plenty of games going on in the U.S. Open Cup. That means a whole lot. And what it means for MLS... And LAFC, LA Galaxy, we'll find out who they end up playing tomorrow, right? May, May 30th, because the game's going on, and then it's the next day is the draw for the next round where MLS teams join in with the 11 winners of the games earlier, the, you know, tonight's games. So uh, then the 21 MLS teams are available. Of course, the Canadian sides don't play in the U.S. Open Cup for obvious reasons. And then the draw will happen. We'll see where the LAFC and LA Galaxy are playing. Who knows? Very interesting. I'm so pumped about... U.S. Open Cup. That's where I want to start this uh, this portion of the segment with the Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this! Right now. Already talked about the success LAFC is having at MLS. Without question, Carlos Vela, 15 goals, 9 assists. What does Bob Bradley do now with the U.S. Open Cup? It's a very interesting question, right? You have on one hand, you've got the Gold Cup going on during the month of June, coming up later. You're probably going to be missing a few players for that. Walker Zimmerman comes to mind, among others. Mark Anthony Kay. You might even have a one or two more. What does this do, though? The U.S. Open Cup, the first game MLS sides will play, including LAFC, would be the May 12th week. And then if you win that, you play right away again in the May 19th week. I'm sorry, June. June 12th, June 19th. Beg your pardon. 
So next month, of course. Duh. So it, it's kind of wham-bam for the two next two rounds. Then there's some delay there. We'll find out. But in June, if you look at the schedule, which we all know, if you're an LAFC fan anyway, very light for the black and gold, right? They have one game coming up in Portland on Saturday. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA. And then another game later in the month, virtually at the end of the month. So it's it's sandwiched at two road games, sandwiched in there at the, uh, you know, basically uh, sandwich boards in the end of the month, in the beginning of the month. And then not much else other than this U.S. Open Cup. So Bob Bradley has interesting decisions to make. Not in the sense of he doesn't have enough players available or maybe everybody's worn out. It's, it's like you want to keep people sharp. There's a good opportunity here to see Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela and, you know, the best players on the team, Eduardo Tuesta, because you got to keep them sharp, right? Because a, a game on June 1st against Portland, then a game on June 28th at Colorado, the only two games you have in the month otherwise, that's not a lot of football. Now, I know guys will get a lot of rest and everything, but, you know, come on, these are kids. They can play a game a week. So I believe LAFC have a real good opportunity here to make a deep run again in the U.S. Open Cup. Partially because they have a light schedule in June, right? So why not put out a very good team? Now, LAFC did that last year anyway, even as the schedule kind of got a little bit tight. This might be a great opportunity for Bob Bradley to really go for it again with, at least in the month of June, really using U.S. Open Cup to actually help his team stay sharp rather than wearing them out. Quite the contrary. So if I'm in the U.S. Open Cup and I advance or I'm one of the other MLS teams, I don't want to play LAFC, that's for sure. I suspect you will see a very strong side yet again for LAFC because of the way the scheduling breaks down. And I mean, what a, look, what a team they have. And there's some depth here, no question. So it's not like Bob Bradley's going to necessarily want to throw out the starting 11, you know, maybe Sanz. Walker Zimmerman, who will be at Gold Cup eventually, and you know maybe you know, Mark Anthony Cale. But there's plenty of depth where he can still get great players off the bench. And, you know, get them in. Like you expect to see Andre Horta a lot potentially during that time. I would. I would play him in these first uh, game of the U.S. Open Cup, and hopefully the second one right away. I, I would definitely do that. You know, guys like that, and maybe you know maybe it's t- a chance then for. Adama Diamande to get back into starting up top, and Christian Ramirez could come up. You know, you, you can play around that way. Who knows? Maybe Fito Zelaya gets a run, right? Maybe that's an opportunity then to just let, you know, see him get some playing time. Probably would have to come off the bench for a little while just to get back up to full speed. But So, yeah, there's an opportunity there, but I do think there's a good chance you're going to see very strong teams for LAFC, very strong lineup. For LAFC. Now, if you look over at the Galaxy schedule in June, and I know it's a black and gold breakdown, but in comparison, still pretty light, right? But there's some teams that are a little more active. So, you know, the Galaxy have that early June game against uh, New England on the second on Sunday, right after the LAFC one. That's fine. Then they have a game at Cincinnati on the 22nd. So it's a little bit more imposing on that second week of the U.S. Open Cup potentially at Cincinnati, you know, at, on the 22nd, when you might be playing on the 19th, potentially, if LAF, or LA Galaxy were to win their first. So it's a, a much more wide-open opportunity for Bob Bradley's side and LAFC. Because I know a lot of teams are playing in that week of the 22nd in MLS, where LAFC has that week off. So really good chance here to, to make a nice run. Now, that being said, 
Do you give Pablo Cisniega a chance in goal during that, or do you let Tyler Miller still uh, playing as well as he is? Do you just let him continue on in the goal? It's just interesting because Miller did play all the games in the U.S. Open Cup as a starter, too, if everybody uh, doesn't remember that. So I'm looking forward to it. No question. I'm, I'm ready for the draw. We'll definitely be talking. I'll be talking about that on Twitter. If you want to follow me on the, on the Twitter side, follow the show at Talk Soccer. We can continue the conversation on that. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of world football here in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm hanging out with you. Don't forget, coming up on Saturday, we got LAFC taking on Portland Timbers and MLS action. You'll hear it right here. I'll have the call for you on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. It is time now to break down and work up everything that concerns the UEFA Champions League final coming up on Saturday in Madrid. Premiership sides, Tottenham Hotspur, of course, and Liverpool going to do battle here. And joining us now from Liverpool Echo, she uh, covers a Liverpool for them. And uh, a buddy of mine over in Ireland said, you got to talk to this uh, young lady. She is great. And uh, I really appreciate him uh, hooking this up and uh, having uh, the wherewithal to get me to be in touch with her. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Kiva O'Neill joining us from uh, Liverpool Echo. Kiva, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Hello, Dave. Hello, Los Angeles. <laughs> well, Kiva, I am, I'm super pumped for the Champions League. I know we are here in the United States. So many fans of the Premiership, Kiva. I don't have to tell you that. You know they're all over the world. But here in the United States... And a matchup between two premiership sides that have had a pretty fine season, though neither one of them could uh, obviously outlast Man City in the Premier League. What a nice little consolation this would be, certainly, to win the we wave for Champions League. Let us begin with Liverpool, Kiva. We saw it coming with Jurgen Klopp. I covered the Bundesliga for a number of years. It's just such an, a dynamic manager. What has he meant to this Liverpool side? The first thing that he ever said when he came in his, his first day, he said, I need to turn the fans into doubters, from doubters to believers. And yeah. he's definitely done that. <laughs> you know, the players he's brought in as well, they've been, they haven't always been, you know, look at, say, a player like Andy Robertson. You don't know what you're going to get. He's come from a relegated side and he's come to us and now he's the best left back in the world or at least one of them. You know, he, he's, He's just made this team into something so special. And not only that, but with the city and, you know, with fans watching around the world, we feel at one with this team and we just feel just so excited about this final and it, it, everything feels like it's finally coming together. You know, um, we did get picked to the post there by Man City. By one point, we lost one game and, you know, that is also painful. But then we have a night at Anfield where... We absolutely destroyed Lionel Messi's Barcelona, which is the greatest ever semi-final comeback. Just the greatest ever comeback for me in football. It was just unbelievable. Obviously, Liverpool have had the famous nights of Istanbul and stuff like that. But these are these are nights that are happening now, and it just it's just a great time to be a Liverpool fan. And you know, as you say, it would be it would be just great after you know missing out so by such a fine margin on the Premier League title to and win what is the biggest game in club football against our other Premier League rivals, which, you know, is <laughs> has a whole other d- dynamic to it. But, yeah, with, you know, the city's just crazy. There's flags everywhere. Oh. I think half the city are heading out to Madrid to watch it. You know, so everyone, it's just, especially with losing the final last year as well, um, to Real Madrid, to now to go to Madrid to maybe win it. You know, it just, it feels like it's written in the stars, Dave, and I hope it is, you know. Yeah, and we are talking with uh, Kiva O'Neill from uh, the Liverpool Echo. She's a football writer 
for the Liverpool Echo. Check her out on Twitter at Kiva Sport. And uh, I got to tell you, Kiva, you mentioned what Jurgen Klopp does as a motivator. Is he underrated? Do you think as a tactician, or is that you know? I, I think he is a little underrated, frankly, as a tactician. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, we're coming up against Mauricio Pochettino, who's you know his tactics are usually oh, yeah, he's great. you know yeah. he's just unbelievable. That's why I'm so worried about the final because he's had three <laughs> weeks to just you know watch tapes and plan, and I'm just thinking I hope he doesn't get it right, but. You know, Klopp does sort of go under the radar, and I think Liverpool do almost as well. Mm-hmm. But this season, it felt like almost coming of age. For what is a relatively young squad, you know, we've got the average age, I think, about 25, 26. We've got young players, local lad Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's 20, about to play back-to-back Champions League finals. You know, he's built a young squad, and, you know, it just it doesn't feel like this is just going to be, you know, we'll win hopefully win in Madrid and that'll be, you know, oh, what a great what a great job Klopp's done. We're going again next year and that's mm-hmm. the feeling and the belief that he's instilled in these Liverpool fans and these players and instilled in the fans as well. Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't, I mean, I think it's such a good fit. You know, well, you know, Kiva, as, as well as I do, that it, it, the world of football is so ever-changing, you know. Nobody's ever comfortable, it seems, and everything. But I just, it just feels like Jurgen Klopp fits for Liverpool. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, definitely. You wouldn't you wouldn't trade them now. You wouldn't ask for any other manager in the world. Like you yeah. you never want him to not be Liverpool's manager. <laughs> he just gets that, you know, Liverpool's a working class city traditionally and Klopp just he came in and he said he didn't really know about the politics of the city or anything like that. But it's you know, the people think sort of along the same lines as him and we share a lot of the same views. And he just came in and it's it's been a quiet revolution, I'd say, of just, it feels like old friends that have, you know, been waiting a long time to, to catch up and now we have and it just feels like just a great place to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Akiva O'Neill. She's a football writer for Liverpool Echo as they get ready to take on Tottenham, of course. Liverpool and Tottenham going battle on Saturday in the UEFA Champions League final. You mentioned a little bit of it with the tactics with Pochettino obviously, and Jürgen. Where are we at in terms of, you know, the matchups, in your opinion, Kiva? Certainly, Liverpool's a slight favorite, you would have to say. They are certainly one of the better teams in the world right now. Tottenham a little up and down towards the later parts of the year. But how do they match up on the pitch, 11 v 11, as we, as we go to Saturday? Well, if we look at the games in the Premier League this season, they've been quite nervy, intense encounters, I'd say. Liverpool just edged it. Uh, back in September, there was a 2-1 win. We won at Wembley when Spurs were playing there before they moved into the, the new ground, of course. Um, yeah. So that was a nervous sort of game. We, we we should have probably won by more, but we didn't. And then Eric Lamella scores a late goal and puts a little bit of pressure back on Liverpool. But, you know, we, we got away with that one and we come away with the three points. And then, obviously, quite recently, we played them at Anfield and it was just, it was a game we had to win because we were chasing Man City until the last game. And um, luckily, we got complete luck with the the last goal. Toby Alderweireld, the ball come off his shin, and it was just you know absolute anarchy erupted inside Anfield. As you know, we we'd won Tottenham two one again. So these games are you know Tottenham are a great side. They've got a lot of good players. Um, Harry Kane's injury has been a bit of a you know you don't know whether he's going to be fit or not. He's come out and said that he is going to be fit, but Pochettino hadn't really said. He'd been sort of, you know, keeping his cards close to his chest. And then when 
the press asked Harry Kane. He said, yeah, I'm fit to play. Like, I'll play a part. So, you know, we don't really know. Sometimes Tottenham are actually a better team with Harry Kane and sometimes they're not. It just, it works differently because he's, you know, he's their talisman. He's obviously an England international. He's a phenomenal player. They've got some great players. Christian Eriksen, he's a playmaker. Deli Ali, you know, Son, he's brilliant as well. They've got Hugo, Hugo Lloris and goal. He's obviously captain the French team to the World Cup. You know, they're, they're not... It's not going to be an easy ride, whether Liverpool are favourites or not. You know, we, we do slightly edge it. Um, people are saying Liverpool are favourites because, you know, we went there last year. We've got that experience. This is the biggest game in club football, as I've said, but Liverpool have played this game before. Tottenham never have. So we've got that upper hand in terms of that experience. But as you know, anything can happen on the night. So, you know, Tottenham are well in, well in with a chance. And they'll be thinking... This is probably our last chance, maybe, for like a few seasons. You don't yeah. know Pochettino's link with the leave. You don't know if he's going to go. Um, you don't quite know what will happen with them. Where, as I've said, Liverpool seem to be, you know, we've done it last year, and whatever happens on Saturday, the players will be thinking, well, we can go back again. Where I, I'm not quite sure whether Tottenham, it's been quite a fairy tale for them as well. You know, they've scored a lot of late goals to get to the final. You saw the goal against Ajax. It was oh. in the dying seconds of the How game. How did they beat Ajax? Ajax was a better team, quite frankly. You know, I mean, I hate to say that because Ajax and Barcelona were looked like shoe-ins going into the... You know I what know. I mean? It's just unbelievable. Just how this game sets up. Yeah, she's absolutely right. Uh, Kiva O'Neill joining us here, and it is, it's fun to talk about because of the madness that was the semifinals and how it could get any better. I do want to continue the conversation with a question about that here. Stick around. This is Soccer Weekly. We're talking with Kiva O'Neill. She's been kind enough to join us. She's going to stay with us. She's from the Liverpool Echo. She's a football writer there. You can check her work out on Twitter at Kiva Sport. You can also check out the show here at Talk Soccer. This is Soccer Weekly, continuing on here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. We are the home of the black and gold LAFC off to the hottest start in MLS. They take on Portland Timbers coming up on Saturday. You'll want to hear it right here on ESPN LA. Oh, by the way, another big game on Saturday in the world of football. And uh, joining us, she joined us last segment. She's kind enough to continue. Kivo O'Neill from uh, the Liverpool Echo. She's a football writer over there covering Liverpool, of course, all things red. And uh, they got a big game coming up Saturday in the Champions League final against Tottenham. And before we left in the previous segment, Keith and I were discussing how just the madness that was the semifinals. And we all remember that. We talked about ad nauseum on this show and breaking it down. How I felt the two best teams got run over in the second matches. Barcelona didn't look like themselves because Liverpool just took it right to them. And Tottenham, I don't know how they did that against Ajax. Ajax was clearly the better side, but you got to give full credit to Spurs. I mean... I, I do believe, Akiva, that Liverpool is the favorite coming into this one. How disappointing will it be? And we've talked about this on this show. How disappointing would it be to win a semifinal the way either of these sides has done it and then just come out flat in a final here? And you, somebody's going to have to lose this game. I think that's the tragic thing, isn't it? Someone <laughs> is going to have to lose. Um, you know, after what Liverpool done and what Tottenham done, respectively, is just yeah. phenomenal. Um, you know, I think... Liverpool fans are a bit gutted because Tottenham kind of took the shine off them a little bit. You know, no one beats Barcelona 4-0 on any given day. So, you know, to do that and to, to advance into the Champions League final. But then for Tottenham to, Luca Mora to score a sensational hat-trick and what was it, just stunning final goal to, you know, a young and 
absolutely brilliant Ajax team yeah. who unfortunately now look like they're going to be sort of disbanded across Europe with you know, uh, Frankie de Jong's gone to Barcelona. There's a, another couple of young players who are linked to go and you know, that's a great team who I thought Liverpool would be playing in the final, but, you know, it turns out Tottenham had had a little bit in the locker and, and they brought it out. So, as you say, it, it is going to be just so tragic for either of these teams to, to lose, but it's always the way in these big games, you know, you don't get to the Champions League final without some incredible nights like that. And yeah. I mean, I was inside Anfield for the Barcelona game and I've, you know, sport is, my life and I've never experienced anything in my life quite like that you just yeah unbelievable and it, it is just a shame to think one of these teams is going to lose it's because neither deserves it at this point you're right but they both deserve to win but as we all know it's only going to take it's going to be one team that's hoisting the trophy on June 1st on the at the end of that night uh Kiva what are your plans for that game what are you doing uh for that game I'm quite lucky. I'm flying out to Madrid on Friday, so oh. I'll be in, in the stadium. Yeah, I'll be in the Wanda Metropolitana. So oh, that is I'll awesome. Yeah, that is yeah. awesome. Now you mentioned. I mean, what's your what's your background a little bit? I mean, we we should have probably started with this. Frankly, I'm going to backpedal a little bit. How did you get so? You mentioned that sports has been your life essentially all along. Your life, you've enjoyed sport. How did you get involved with the the beautiful game here, and then eventually ending up with the Liverpool Echo? Um, just from a young age, I just remember I was uh, playing football in the street with my friends, and that's yep. how it sort of started. You know, you become sitting next to my granddad. He's in his armchair. He turned 82 on Saturday and was telling me about the first game he went, which was in 1948, and uh. Liverpool won 4-0 at Anfield. And I'm I'm Googling this to check, like, really, <laughs> Grant, you were actually there in 1948? Like, you know, so it's a long history in my family of supporting Liverpool. And, um, yeah, I've just... I loved writing and I've just combined my two passions and, you know, to write for the Liverpool Echo is just a dream come true because, as I say about my granddad being 82, I used to go and get the paper for him and now I'm writing for that paper. So, you know, it's quite proud and yeah, I'm looking forward to a career in sport. I'm only just really starting out, so, you know. Well, um, you're well on your way and that's for sure. Yeah. And she, she is well on her way to the Champions League final coming up in Madrid. It is Liverpool taking on Tottenham, and we have been discussing it here with Kiva O'Neill from the Liverpool Echo. Now, Kiva, you mentioned how, obviously, on fire all the Reds fans are. Certainly, Liverpool fans are out of their mind, ecstatic, and cannot wait for this game. But Liverpool is a massive soccer city that doesn't all just bleed red. You do have the the Everton fans on one side. You've got Tranmere now, who's on fire, right? And they're getting promoted, and their fans are diehard fans. How do the other fans of an area like Liverpool, which is so diehard football, how do they respond? Like, are they just rooting against Liverpool no matter what? Well, it is quite interesting because, you know, rivalry is such an intense thing. And I think, you know, a lot of Everton fans do not want Liverpool to win the Champions League. (laughs) They didn't want us to win the Premier League and they got that wish granted. Um, It's difficult, isn't it, in football? Because rivalry is what makes it the beautiful game and sport is, is that way. But... Obviously, as you've mentioned, Tramia, like their story is incredible. You know, they got basically relegated back to back. They spent time out of the English Football League pyramid, and then they made the way back, back to back promotions, and now they're back you know, like three three leagues down from, or like the third league down. It's just a remarkable fairy tale for them, and you know, I think a lot of their fans would be happy. I don't sure. know, it's hard to say. My brother supports Everton and 
you can't always, he'd be happy for me because I'm in the stadium. I feel like he'd be, you know, mm-hmm. sisters there, but it, it's, it's rivalry, isn't it? You never want your rivals to win, so you can't, you can't be good to them there. Yeah, you don't you don't want them to win for the bragging uh, the bragging rights about it. That's for sure. But it is interesting because there are, you know if, uh, fans like Tranmere they don't really have anything necessarily against Liverpool or Everton. Obviously, right? They're not really rivals anyway. But I mean, it's so much different than here in the United States because when we have a minor league team in a city, there's really the, the minor league we just don't care as much, you know, in, in the sense that like we would be rooting for Tranmere and vice versa because it, it's. I just was wondering what it's like there in that sense because the fans are so passionate for their own club and uh, how that works out. It's fascinating. You're not that far from Manchester. I mean, it's quite an area for football here. And some of the rumors flying around, you mentioned uh, Ajax with Matthias Delete potentially uh, you know, going there and things like that. Uh, certainly Man United's not going to be down, quote-unquote, for too long, you wouldn't think. And maybe they're struggling a little bit. But Liverpool, of course, you know, you have to keep one eye on the transfer window, which is going to be opening up soon enough. When you play in June, you're not that far away from the next season already. Are there rumblings? I mean, I'm reading the Liverpool Echo, and there's some names in there already, even before they play the Champions League final, about some possible movement and things. I mean, that's just inevitable. But are there rumblings about that going on? Yeah, there are. There's always transfer rumours and stuff, but I feel like Jurgen Klopp keeps everything quiet, and Michael Edwards, they... They, they keep it, you know, close to the chest. And if you look at last season when we we signed Fabinho, um, he pretty much come in without anyone knowing. So I feel like they're going to try and do things like that more often. Sure. Um, they, they have made it clear, um, our Liverpool correspondence reports on James Pearson said, you know, Liverpool aren't going to be spending massive amounts this transfer window because we do have that squad there. And the thing with this squad is you don't feel like a lot of these players are going to want to leave. You, you don't want to leave Liverpool right now because, you know, they're going to be challenging again on all fronts next season. So, you know, and we will attract more players, but obviously it's if the price is right. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Kiva O'Neill from the Liverpool Echo. Now, Kiva, let's take a look again on the pitch for this final. Liverpool, Tottenham. Where does each team have the biggest advantage, do you think? In other words, where is Liverpool going to possibly have their most success? Where is Tottenham maybe going to have their most success against Liverpool? Um, I would probably say Liverpool would have the most success going forward. You know, we're an attacking team, and yeah. in past seasons we haven't really knew how to defend. But now, you know, our strong point has become we've got Allison one of the best goalkeepers in the world, Virgil van Dijk, one of the best players in the world, never mind the best defender in the world. You know, we've we've got a great back line now. I think we're so strong on the wings, obviously, because our full-backs are just assist kings, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson. They just they just make assists for fun now, so, you know, that'll be a lot. But Tottenham have got a lot in their locker too, like you mentioned, Harry Kane. Just the thing is whether he'll be fit enough or not, because obviously they, they play in a sort of different style. I'd say when he's playing, they seem to want to give him the ball more because you always want to give the ball to the best player. But you know, we, we play quite similar games. I would say you know they're going to attack us, we're going to attack them. There will be gaps left open, I, th- I think, at the back for yeah. both teams. But you know, it's just it's just a tricky one to predict because you've watched you know the highlights in the last games and they are just the crazy. Um, the, the game at Anfield, Liverpool were totally in control, and then Tottenham just rallied. Tottenham seemed like a, a team who can just, you could have like, they could play bad for seventy minutes and then just go, hang on, let's let's start playing, and they could just play great. 
it just sort of that switch they can yep. switch on and you know Liverpool need to be careful with that because you can't cut you apart they've done it to a lot of teams this season but at the same time I think they've lost 12 or 13 games in the league and they didn't always look great so this break might have done them good that's it. That's it. There's, there's like a 26, 25, 26 point difference between the two teams. It's amazing the kind of year Liverpool had, Akiva. And you're absolutely right. Let me ask you this about fans for Liverpool. Now, I'm a kind of fan. I'm a sports fan who worries, right? I never really think my team's going to necessarily win. I, I, I want them to, certainly. I'm rooting for them, but I've always got that doubt. Do Liverpool fans really feel like it's their year, like they're going to win this game, you think? I think so. More yeah. than last year, anyway. We we went into last year's final. You're playing Real Madrid. You've won, eventually won the fourth trophy in five years. You know, you go into that final thinking, if we get beat by Real Madrid, it's not the worst thing sure, in the world sure. because, you know, they're a great team, Cristiano Ronaldo, etc. But, yeah, it's, it's you know, fans will feel anxious. You get that rumbling, don't you? And it's already sort of started for fans. You can... You know, speaking in the workplace and stuff, people are like, you know, getting excited. But nerves will come, and you know, even the players get nervous. It'll be, it'll be um, really interesting. But I feel like this year, it just feels like because what we've done in the league and how strong and together this team are, it does feel like you know something, something is hopefully happening for Liverpool. And it, it's a shame for our team because Pochettino and Klopp, great managers, and they've created great teams. But one of them's gonna end this season trophyless and that's sort of what a lot of people were you know saying you know the these managers have made these these great teams they built them but now they need to sort of put the trophies on the table and mm. you know one of them's gonna gonna come up short which is a shame but obviously you know well i, I do think happen. the best team is gonna win and i'll say it right now i do believe liverpool is going to win i'm not just saying that because kiva's joining us I think they are the best team in Europe, and they're going to be I hope you're right, Dave. <laughs> Champions League coming up the final 12 o'clock our time here in Los Angeles on Saturday. We're all ready for it. Tottenham taking on Liverpool. It has been a real pleasure and a lot of fun to talk to her. Kiva O'Neill from the Liverpool Echo. Check out her work. She's a football writer for the Liverpool Echo. She'll be there at the game. Check her out on Twitter, at Kiva Sport. Kiva, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Good luck and have fun on Saturday. Oh, thanks so much, Dave. It's been been a blast. Thank you. Absolutely. Kiva O'Neill, check her out, the football writer for Liverpool Echo. Again, on Twitter, follow her there, kivasport.com, or .com, on Twitter, at kivasport. I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly. We continue on stoppage time coming up here on the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly rolls on here on ESPN LA 710, the home of LAFC. You'll hear the game against Portland at Portland Timbers, their first home game of the year. It's going to be a tough one for the black and gold You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA. I'll have the call for you for that game as we're rolling on here on ESPN LA, the home of world football in Southern California. We do want to start uh, this segment with the LA Care Injury Report. At LA Care, our mission has always been to provide quality, affordable health care coverage to all Angelinos. For more information, visit lacare.org today. LA Care for all of LA. And currently, according to MLS Injury Report, really good news for both uh, really LAFC and Portland as they get ready for that game. Unfortunately, Steven Bader still listed as out. He's got that left hamstring strain. It's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, questionable is Alejandro Guido. He's still not back from that uh, quad strain. For Portland, really, uh, they had the long-term injury to the goalkeeper that they signed early in the year. That's still going on, unfortunately. But really, uh, pretty healthy. Christian Paredes is still questionable with a left eye injury, injury, but Portland Timbers are 
getting healthy and getting pretty good as well. So that is your L.A. Care injury report. Speaking of the Timbers, uh, that will be their first home game. They wrapped up their 12 road games to start the season at 4-6-2. and two. But when you consider they started out 0-5-1. and one. So uh, once again, Giovanni Savarese starts to get it going in the right direction before they head home. And I've made this joke before, but it's kind of ridiculous that uh, the league allows these teams to, you know, I understand if you're building a stadium from scratch and it's your first year and you have to start out and you got to like, you know, maybe the stadium's not going to be done till middle of the season. You're going to have a lot of home road games. I mean, we saw LAFC have six on the road to begin. But when you're getting like 12 road games, everybody will say, well, it's equal. It's fair. You get the same amount of home games as road games. Okay, but you've now gone through 12 games. Now they have 17 out of the next 22 at home. That is not balanced and fair. I don't care that it's, well, you still play 17 at home and away, down home. It's just not fair. You should not have that many home games at the when it really is starting to get to the crunch time in terms of making the playoffs. and it's an, it's an unfair advantage. I don't care what anyone says. So I always root for the Portland Timbers to lose. I sports hate them. And not the least of which is because it seems like they fix their stadium, quote-unquote, every year and pull this junk. Get your act together up there. Tired of it. Yeah, Portland, so annoying as it is, let alone to be doing this junk. We'll have that game coming up. And I look, LAFC starting to become a rivalry with Portland. I, I do. I sports hate them with a passion. They might be one of my least favorite teams in all of sports. They're right up there with the Pittsburgh Steelers, frankly. Yeah. That's how much I can't stand the Portland Timbers. It's just annoying. They're just annoying. They're like Seattle Sounders-esque, but almost worse. <laughs> time now for our favorite segment. It is Stoppage Time. What time is it? It's Stoppage Time! Yeah, Stoppage Time! It's Stoppage Time! Right now! The great Mario Rees, the producer of LAFC Football, and this show is the host of Stoppage Time. How are you, Mario? Jeez, Dave, you're so annoyed by the uh, Portland Timbers. I know, they just tick me off every year. <laughs> how many How many years are they going to do this, Mario? How many, how many times are you going to redo this stadium? Seems oh, like I know. It seems like year. every single year. It's a great place, though. It's, it's a great oh, place to watch a football Great match. fans, no doubt. I mean, I hate them, but they're great. Yeah. And, you know, but, but it's annoying. You shouldn't have 17 home games, Mario, out of your final 22 games. I know it's balanced in the sense that you get, you know, they had to start on the road so much, but it's not, it's not really balanced when you're finishing the, the season in those big games and so many home games. Oh, it's row. such a huge advantage. Are yeah. you kidding me? I mean, it is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, LAFC here, they're off to a great start. And now it's time to start voting for the All-Star Game. And we got eight players from LAFC that are named to the All-Star Game fan ballot. Yeah. We got Tyler Miller. Sure. We got Stephen Bateshore, Mark Anthony Kay. Carlitos Vela, Edward Atuesta, Walker Zimmerman. We got Latif Blessing, Diego Rossi. But we got we got a player missing here. Well, wait, wait, who, who, you didn't mention one of those the defenders that I thought you'd mention. What? Wait. Where's Eddie Segura at? What? He's not on here, my man. This is tough to see here. Uh, that is absurd. I, you know, I did see that. I knew it was coming when you started. The, I had a feeling that's who you were going to. You know, how do we get him in to there? Talk about. I mean, I don't think you do, Mario. I don't think there's a write-in option for this. Look, I don't really care much about all-star games in any sport, even 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 though I love MLS, certainly is my favorite sport. Yeah. I've kind of given – so I don't mind, like, I don't really care about the MLS all-star game in the sense of, like, it's not a big deal, it's fun, whatever. But just in the sense of 
Eddie Segura's not even on the ballot, the guy might be the best defender in the league. Yeah, that's I mean, an understatement. And not only that, Mario, realistically, this year, you could have LAFC play Atletico Madrid. <laughs> so true. Right? So I mean, true. What, what's the difference? I mean, there's very... I hate to... I, Look, I'm not trying to pick on other teams. There are some great players in this league. Nobody knows that better than you and I. We see it every week, right? Yeah. I mean, fantastic. And I'm not saying the LAFC starting 11 is the best 11 players in the league, quote-unquote. No. Okay, I get that, but... You can make a case for every single player. You can make a case for every one of them being yeah. an all-star. And quite frankly, there's like at least four that are locks, right? I mean, just flat-out locks. And one of them would be Eddie Segura. <laughs> and he's not even on the ballot. I know, Dave. And Edward Atuesta has got to be one of those two, right? Oh, I mean, look, I said it in Twitter this week. You can hit me up on Twitter if you disagree or agree. It was one of my most famous, or not famous, most popular tweets ever. And I've I had enough, Mario. Carlos Vela and, and Edward Atuesta are the two best players in the league by far. I mean, they just are. One and two. I mean, yeah. it's that simple. I, you know, Edward Atuesta is not going to rack up stats like a, a Zlatan or, you know, another big scorer, obviously, or Joseph Martinez or something. But he's the second best player in the league. I mean, he just is that good. I mean, he's and, a lock for you and I. We know that. But oh, is it a possibility that he gets overlooked just because oh, he's not, like, in highlights? And, Absolutely. You know. Yeah. And that will be a shame. And that's the whole point of all-star oh, games are kind of a joke, right? I mean, they, they, it doesn't really matter. You know, we see that in every yeah. sport, usually. It's not like it really matters. It's fun. I know people enjoy it. That's fine. I'm not going to rip on anybody if they love the All-Star game. It's just not for me much anymore. Yeah. And if that, the fact that Eddie Segura is not even on the ballot just tells me all I need to know, quite frankly. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. You, know, it, it, you literally could not argue if someone wanted to just say, hey, LAFC, go play Atletico Madrid for the All-Star game this year. <laughs> I mean, just, there's really no hole. You know, there's, and it, quite frankly, you could take the bench along and it would still be fine. You know, like there's no real hole that where anybody's not played that good that well for LAFC. Yeah, and, I, and I'm tired of bringing in these teams from Europe to come play against the MLS All-Stars. Let's yeah. just do two separate East-West, however you want to do it. Let's just keep it all in the family, the in the MLS reason, family. There is a little bit of – the only reason I, I don't love that either is – there's the worry of possible, like, you know, some bad blood or injuries or, you know, I understand injuries can happen against anybody, but when you bring in a team that's really coming in as an exhibition at Letico Madrid, hopefully there's a little less opportunity for injury. But I will say this, some of the games have turned out very well, I must admit, right? I mean, you know, MLS All-Stars certainly hold their own yeah. against these fine, I mean, the MLS All-Stars are loaded, realistically and you know i mean the games turn out fine i mean they're not they're not hard to watch in that sense but i just don't care who win you know it's not it, i can't even remember who won last year's all-star game to be honest <laughs> right. can you remember who won any any all-star game from any sport last year no no i have no idea just being honest no i mean you could literally tell me major league baseball the national league won 14 to 2 and i'd be like oh okay <laughs> I, name, I don't know i don't know who won don't care Good stuff, as always, the great Mario Reese. And uh, don't it, forget, we have uh, Soccer Weekly coming up next week on Tuesday, Tuesday night. Tuesday night, yes. So, yeah, and you can always find out, of course, uh, follow us on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. Mario, where are you at on Twitter? You're bigger than me. So at where I am Mario Ruiz. At so, I am Mario Ruiz. There you go. I mean, he's more popular on Twitter than I am. So, you know, if you want to go that route, Mario will let you know as well. You can always follow the show there. Continue the conversation each and every week at Talk Soccer. Don't forget the podcast, Soccer Weekly, 
Look it up on uh, ESPN Pod Center or iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate the folks here at ESPN LA. This is the home of world football in Southern California and really throughout the United States as well. Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm here on ESPN LA 710.